Father, esteeming him with praise and a glory to his name. Hallowed be your name. And we have talked about positioning ourselves as we express our desire for his kingdom and his will to be fully manifested and realized in our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And so being positioned to petition, I did pretty good there, didn't I? Because I flubbed that bad last week. Positioned to petition. We ask for our daily bread, our daily needs. We're reminded that God is faithful and that we can approach him with confidence. Amen? Knowing that he loves his children and he cares about the things that we care about. And now we come to the next phrase, the next verse in this master class on prayer. And Jesus says, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This morning, number one, Jesus says, when you come to your heavenly Father, I'm teaching you how to pray. A part of your prayer should be, forgive me. Amen. Forgive me. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us. Seeking the forgiveness of God is the starting point for man to, in his quest to be close to God. I said, seeking the forgiveness of God is the starting point for man in his quest to be close to his God. To find ourselves in relationship to him. The idea of a repentant heart and attitude should permeate the life of every believer. Forgive us. We find ourselves living in a fallen, imperfect, sinful world. Amen? The world and the society around us point out constantly the sin nature of man and reflected within that is our very own sinful nature we are in debt to a holy God we are in debt to a holy God what is debt debt is payment owed debt is payment owed what payment, listen, what payment do you and I, as children of the Father, owe to our Father, our Heavenly Father? Man's debt owed to God is the debt of sin. Man's debt owed to God is the debt of sin. We are a nation of debtors. 
millions of young people, and I might say some older folks, are on the verge of bankruptcy with unpayable credit card debt that compounds interest every month. The problem of school and student debt, often running into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, has now become a national crisis. Even the federal government is in debt, debt that has soared to untold trillions of dollars. We live in a nation, a society of debtors. In the times, the culture, and the Roman rule of the days of Jesus and the disciples, debt was serious business. Unpaid debt in that day, in that culture, in that system of law, was dealt with harshly, with imprisonment, and even death being a common sentence for those who could not pay their debt. In the Roman Empire, debt typically meant severe pain and tragedy for an individual and a family. In our day, we experience frustration and anxiety and, and, and such with debt, but in the days of Jesus, debt was a matter of life and death. In the context, this is the context, listen, that serious nature of debt and the legal ramifications of debt was the, was the context in which Jesus said, Forgive us our debts. And I believe that he used the word that is translated today as debt because of the serious nature of debt in that society in that day. Jesus meant business here. A serious scenario by which his disciples, his followers, the children of God, should seek forgiveness. Jesus' use of the word debt is meant to evoke in our mind both a serious offense and a corresponding serious punishment. Debt. To be, given, to be forgiven a debt was not a minor thing. To be forgiven a debt was an act of extravagant, beautiful mercy. Mike, bring up this next slide. I want you to listen carefully to this. If the petition, give us this daily, give us this day our daily bread, emphasizes our most urgent physical needs, the petition, forgive us our debts, emphasizes our most urgent spiritual need. Got it? Saying we owe a debt to God means that we have failed to pay up. Thus, as sinners, we stand before God condemned, rightly deserving his just wrath. Only the good news, 
Only God's forgiveness can clear our guilt and establish a meaningful relationship between us and God. Only God can forgive the debt of sin. I said, only God can forgive the debt of sin. Forgiveness. What a beautiful, wonderful word, amen? Forgiveness is clearly an attribute of our loving God from the beginning of time. Forgiveness is a core part of God's character. Listen to these words from the Old Testament. These words written many generations before Jesus came to to finally and completely forgive man's sin. Listen to some of the things that were written in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah knew the God who forgives. Listen to Isaiah 55 and 7. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. Listen, listen. And he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah knew that his God was a God of forgiveness. Even though he lived, listen, Isaiah lived in the days of a people who had turned their backs to their God. And yet Isaiah says he will have mercy. And Isaiah says he will freely pardon. The prophet Jeremiah, who lived in the days of the people rebelling against God, Jeremiah knew that he was a God of mercy. Jeremiah knew that his God was a God of forgiveness. Jeremiah 31, 34. Jeremiah prophesying. The words of a prophet expressing the words of God to the people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Listen, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What a precious, precious word to a rebellious people from the mouth of the prophet. What's the role of the prophet of Isaiah and Jeremiah and the others? Joel, the, the role of the prophet was to hear what God says and share it, share it, and express it now, and proclaim it, and preach it to the people. That's the role of prophet. This is Jeremiah and, 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 and Isaiah, who, who had certainly expressed God's disappointment, his wrath, his terror against the people, but here he says, what? I will forgive their wickedness, and then I'll forget about it. Woohoo! 
What a beautiful God we serve. Daniel knew that his God was a forgiving God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, Daniel says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. The psalmist knew God as the forgiving God. Psalm 32, 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The psalmist understood that if he confesses his sin before a holy God, that in that holy God, in that wonderful, loving, merciful God, there is forgiveness. Our God is a forgiving God, friend. Psalm 103, 12. Maybe one of the most precious promises in the entire scripture. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed, say removed, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. How many know that the east is a long way from the west? We went west this year. We flew part of the way, so it doesn't seem as far. But I'm here to tell you that it is a long way from the east to the west. And God promises, he promises that he will remove our sin and he will separate us. Listen, in forgiveness, he will separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. And I say hallelujah. In this model prayer that we have been studying, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and he says, forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. Say, forgive us. Some may wonder, preacher, I'm going to get into the weeds for a second. Some may wonder why believers who are forgiven of their sin need to ask God, forgive us our debts. 1 John chapter 1 gives us some pretty clear teaching here into this question. Verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse 7, another beautiful verse of promise, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But then there's verse 8. And you shouldn't read verse 7 unless you go on and read verse 8. 
And then verse 9. Look at verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm sorry to preach that to you this morning. I'm sorry to share that with you this morning. If we think we are sinless, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive. Say, will forgive. Will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. But you can't read that without reading verse 10. John's in a little back and forth here with us. I told you the good news, now I'm going to tell you the not so good news. I told you the bad news, now I'm going to tell you the good news. That's what John's doing here. He's gone back a little. Do you think John knew what he was talking about? Yes, he did. He was forgiven by the master himself. He walked with him and talked with him. Look at verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. Clearly, we have been forgiven of sin by the sacrificial death and resurrection power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. John 3.16 teaches us that. Belief in Jesus places us, listen, belief in Jesus places us in a forgiven, redeemed, saved status before our holy God. That is not something that we have earned, but by believing in the life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus. But while we are walking this earth, while we are in these imperfect, flesh-oriented bodies, we remain in a struggle against sin. The Christian is positionally righteous but sometimes not practically so. We are declared innocent in Christ, but we still sin from time to time in this world. That's why we still need to ask God to forgive us our debts and why we still need to forgive the debts of others. The debts Jesus refers to here are sins. Christians should acknowledge, confess their sins and offenses against God, and confess them to the only one who can forgive. Belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ leads to justification, atonement, and payment for our sin. That's how we get there. That's how we get there. Romans 3.23 For all have what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's Paul giving you the bad news and giving you the good news. Right? Paul and John 
must have studied the same with the same professor as to how to get the word out, right? Right? Paul says, I'm going to give you the bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now I'm going to, I told you that so I can tell you this. I'm going to tell you the good news is that all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Preacher, I'm standing in the weeds for a second. Believers do not have to continually get re-saved by asking for forgiveness repeatedly. However, post-salvation confession of sin and requests for forgiveness are for the purpose of a healthy relationship with God. You all right? You all right? I'm going to say just briefly that there can be some confusing teaching on this subject, especially in the context of a holiness movement such as we are part of. There is no doubt that the Christian is to walk a life of holiness and is to avoid walking in a lifestyle of sin. But the reality also is that as long as we are in these sin-cursed bodies, we struggle with sin. And the reality also is that Jesus taught us, the master prayer taught us, the master preacher taught us to approach our holy God who we have proclaimed in this prayer to be holy, to approach him and part of that prayer be forgive us our debts. Post-salvation confession of sin and requests for forgiveness are for the purpose of a healthy relationship with God and an open communication channel, I might say. We must ask God to forgive our debts for the continuance and strengthening of our fellowship with him. A daily prayer, listen, a daily prayer that God would forgive us our debts is not necessary for justification. That's been done. But instead is the aspect of the continuing process of our sanctification. Am I all right? Sanctification. The process of becoming Christ-like. Guess what? God's side of that, God's role in that, is forgiveness. We approach him and he forgives. We cry out to him and he is merciful. We seek him and he is the gracious, loving God. Part of living a life of sanctification is living with a repentant heart a heart that seeks to be pure before God every day. 
It's also part of transformation that we've been talking about that you're tired of hearing me talk about. Transformation. Repentance and forgiveness are a key healthy aspect of the believer's daily life. I said repentance and forgiveness are a key healthy aspect of a believer's daily life. Are you all right? Are you, are you with me? A part of your healthy daily life is coming before your heavenly Father, hallowed be your name, asking for, right, asking for the needs of that day and saying, forgive me where I've sinned. Forgiveness. Oh, and by the way, he will. <laughs> he does. All right, I'm going to get out of the weeds for a minute. Second phrase. Second phrase of this, of this part. As we forgive. Say, as we forgive. As we forgive our debtors. Jesus says that we will receive the forgiveness of God as we forgive others. We will receive his forgiveness as others receive forgiveness from us. The lifestyle of the Christian is a lifestyle of forgiveness. We live under the umbrella of grace and mercy and the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. And we live a life extending grace, mercy, and forgiveness to others. Those who are our debtors who have sinned against us. Clearly, clearly the scriptures teach that forgiving others is a characteristic of the life of the believer. I said the scriptures teach that forgiving others is a characteristic of the lifestyle of the believer. Matthew 6, a little bit later in the chapter, verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's the good news, now the bad news. Boy, we're on that track today. Jesus teaching in that way. I'm going to give you the bad news, but here's the good news. Or, or I gave you the good news, but here's the bad news. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the words of the master teacher. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You see the opposites there. Judgment, harshness, condemnation toward others, or forgiveness, forgiveness toward others. Colossians chapter 3, the words of Paul beginning in 13, bear with each other. Sometimes we got to bear a little more with some than others. Bear with each other and forgive one another. 
if any of you has a grievance against someone. Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4, 32. Again, the words of Paul. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. Oh, that we could bump up our life of compassion and kindness and forgiveness. You are loving folks. Ron and I have discovered that. I think we all have a ways to go in our life of compassion. In our habits of love grace and mercy toward others I think we all still have a ways to go as loving as y'all are did I mention somebody gave me a cherry crumb yeah I did mention as loving as you all are God's desire is for our hearts of love and compassion and therefore forgiveness be continually growing within our lives. I think a big part of transformation as we're changed from glory under glory, as we become more like Christ, is we, come, we become more loving. And if you become more loving, your natural inclination is forgiveness instead of condemnation. The Apostle James in his letter, in 5 and 16, says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's a lot of preaching right there, but I just want to say to you, a healthy community of believers prays for one another confesses sins and shortcomings to one another and prays for one another that they might be healed not just of their bodies we talked about the characteristics of a healthy church last month one of the things we said was, a healthy church is a loving community. And so when there's sin, when, when there is a fall, the reaction of God's people is love and healing and compassion and forgiveness and grace because our Savior is the very model of love and forgiveness and healing and grace and because he is that model we must follow that model I've heard it said that Christians eat their own wounded 
Don't you dare. Don't you dare adopt a holier-than-thou attitude towards your brother or sister. I'm sorry, I wasn't going to go here. Don't you dare, because it might be you next week. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Love one another and care for one another. In the light of our salvation, in the light of the forgiveness of your sin, God commands that in return we forgive others and extend the grace to them that we have been shown. It can be one of the hardest things we face in life. This can be very heart-wrenching difficult. The pain and the hurt that others cause us is real. And sometimes it's excruciating. But, he said, the pain of living with bitterness and unforgiveness can poison your soul and destroy you. When we forgive others, we are not saying that what they did was okay. Did you hear me? When we forgive others, we are not saying that what you did was okay. It probably was real wrong. But we are releasing them to God and letting go of, of, of bitterness and we're letting go of, of hatred and we're letting go of unforgiveness and its hold on us, on you. When you forgive someone that has wronged you, it is for both your benefits, especially yours. Amen. You all right? Yes. Forgiveness does not forget, but it does set free from bitterness and grudges. Amen. How you doing? The extravagant mercy of God shown in this prayer should be on our lips and on our hearts every day when we recognize we are debtors, when we see ourselves as we truly are, beggars at the throne of grace. We are under the umbrella of mercy and grace, and that moves us, that inspires us, that demands of us that we live humble lives, extending mercy and grace and forgiveness to those around us. Why? Because we have been given mercy and grace and forgiveness. What are the benefits of forgiving others? Whether it's a spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict in your life can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. 
The good news is that studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels in sleep, reducing pain and blood pressure and levels of anxiety and depression and stress. Research points to an increase in the connection between forgiveness and your health as you age. Listen to this. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed and bitter, says Karen Swartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger puts you in a fight-or-flight mode, which results, listen to this, which results in changes in heart rate, changes in blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, say however, forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. You want to get off some of the meds? Forgive someone. That's from Johns Hopkins, pretty strong, pretty strong medical institution. Everybody breathe. Therefore, I would suggest to you this formula for a guilt-free, peaceful, joy-filled life. This is from your pastor this morning. Number one, keep a humble, repentant heart toward God. Amen. Know that he is the great forgiver. As deep as you get in it, remember he'll reach down deeper and pull you out and forgive. Come before him honestly. This is a formula for a guilt-free, peaceful, joy-filled life. Keep a humble, repentant heart. Come before him honestly, seeking forgiveness as you have fallen short of God's best for your life. Remember, if give us this if give us this day our daily bread emphasizes our most urgent physical needs, then forgive us our debt expresses our most urgent spiritual need. That might be worth remembering, brother dude. And then, still under this formula, that I'm suggesting to you this morning, and then when you are sinned against, when someone does you wrong, when you are the victim, when what they did to you just isn't fair, remember this principle. Forgive others as, because you have been forgiven. Extend grace to others 
because grace has been extended to you. Provide mercy as mercy has been provided to you. Forgive as you have been forgiven.